that's for Valbert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley. And on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome the Hardball Times Managing Editor, Rachel McDaniel, back to the program. We engage in some editor talk as Rachel offers a review of some recent THT highlights before we discuss the end of Felix Hernandez's career in Seattle and what we like and dislike most about postseason baseball. All of that is coming up, but first it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com. For the monthly cost of a Fall League soda, you can support all the great work at Fangraphs, including Rachel's recent musings, Eric Longenhagen and Kylie McDaniel's prospect coverage, Dan Zimborski's elegy for the season series, and soon more playoff coverage than you'll know what to do with. You may also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership and enjoy Fangraphs without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. That bit of business being complete, I take you to my conversation with Rachel McDaniel, Hardball Times Managing Editor, which begins right now. started recording. Rachel, you are here. And let me tell you, I thought that we just might never speak again because of the comedy of errors that befell both of us at various points while trying to record this podcast. How are you? I am good. I'm not locked out of my house today. So, you know, that's I'll put that one in the win column. It just in life, not just for podcasting purposes, but that seems good. I similarly, I am reporting live from Arizona. I have decamped to Scottsdale and an Airbnb that yesterday was undergoing, well, not in my specific Airbnb, but in the condo complex it is in, maintenance of just every conceivable variety, lawn and whatever the loud banging upstairs was doing. I don't know what that was accomplishing apart from keeping us from podcasting, but we're here. Yes, we are finally here. Well, thank you for joining us. I, I realized, one, it's just been a minute since you've been on the program, so we needed to remedy that. And also uh, that you and I, in the course of, of podcasting on Fangraphs Audio, have not done a thing that Carson would do with me and then with Paul uh, before me, which is to give you an opportunity to highlight some some good work that has gone on at the Hardball Times, which we should do just because there's so much good stuff that gets published over there and sometimes people uh, get lost in the sea of the internet and fail to read it. And also because I have been traveling and then on various uh, backfields uh, for instructs and also at fall league games. So I am, I am behind in my own THT reading, which is really very embarrassing. So I thought maybe, uh, you could tell us about some stuff that has gone up at the Harbaugh times lately that you have found especially delightful. It's all very good, but like particularly good. Uh, so yeah. So Rachel, what's, what's going on over in THT land? Well, I mean, not to brag, but we do have things going on every single day, every day. Every single day, Meg, can you believe it? (laughs) But some things that I have particularly enjoyed over the past little while. Uh, On September 12th, we had a piece from Zachary Hayes uh, called Stranded on a Desert Island. Justin Verlander shoots for another record. And this piece was really interesting to me because it made the, the premise of the piece was the fact that Justin Verlander is on pace to set the all-time left-on-base percentage record, which obviously is something that normally we would assume mostly has to do with randomness and luck. But what Zachary did was he used situational splits and he used heat maps and showed these really dramatic differences in situations 
when Justin Verlander has a runner on first and runners in scoring position to show how he may be intentionally changing his approach so dramatically that it is creating these extreme left on base numbers. So that was really, it was really interesting. And then a few days ago, we had a piece from Miriam's Woe called Hometown Heroes. And with the postseason coming up, I thought this was a really nice reminder of how postseason runs and postseason baseball can give people this feeling of unity because it was it was about Miriam's experience during Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. And with the Astros attendant run up to the World Series and how the Astros postseason run transformed that whole experience. And then perhaps by the time this podcast is up, we will have a piece up from Allison McCaig about the social science behind why people use commoditizing language to refer to players and why we probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I will make sure to link to at least both the pieces that are up. And then, like you said, depending on the timing, um, Allison's piece, should we have it up and running before this podcast goes live? The Verlander stuff is so interesting. And now I'm excited to to dig in and read this piece um, rather than just skim it as I did when it went up and I was uh, noodling around on other stuff. But I assume that you saw his, his comments um, in, oh gosh, I guess it was USA Today about really caring about pitcher wins. Yes. Yes. This. So he's fascinating to me because he does seem to take data seriously as a way of understanding his game and sort of refining it. And then he says stuff like that. Human beings are so tricky. Yeah, I really enjoy that. I I enjoy that players will embrace all of this, you know, what we think of as like the new ways of thinking and all the data and like changing their approach in this way. But we'll also still hold to like, superstitions and still maintain like an absolute belief that people like clutch hitting is a real thing or like clutch pitching and all of that kind of stuff. It's really interesting. Psychologically, just like the way that this kind of stuff comes to a head within sports. It's so cool. It's so cool. They're they're kind of cool. Verlander occupies a very interesting place in my personal baseball fandom i'm going to use this as a an opportunity to transition to a piece that you wrote about felix hernandez because i remember i recall a time when uh you know justin verlander was in the brief swoon that he had and i would talk to you know this was like a couple of years ago he was just he was just a little less good he was kind of hurt he was less good through fewer innings and we all collectively thought oh What's going on with uh, Justin Verlander there is this perhaps the beginning of his decline phase. And I had a friend at the time, he's still a friend, but this is most relevant at that particular time, who was and is a Tigers fan. And so was very fond of Justin Verlander, quite understandably. And he said to me that this phenomena would come for Felix. And I, being a Mariners fan, was greatly offended at the idea that uh, Felix would ever be less good even though I knew that that was likely to happen at some point just because human beings age. And he was right. And then I said to him, well, maybe maybe the Verlander phenomenon will come for Felix again and he will return to form and be very good and potentially uh, be, you know, like a Cy Young guy. And that hasn't happened. No. And uh, Felix is going to make his last start as a Mariner at home on Thursday, which will probably be the day that this podcast goes up. And... uh 
And uh, you wrote about your own experience with Felix for Fangraphs, so I thought we'd we'd talk about Felix for a little bit. Yeah. How do you feel about Felix? Does it make because you're you're a Blue Jays fan by trade? <laughs> yes, I am a Blue Jays fan by trade. Uh, and so your connection to Felix is a little different, although um, you you also have one that is quite personal. Yeah, I mean, I have been adjacent to the Mariners for my right. entire life, so I had marginal awareness of the Felix Hernandez prime. But I didn't really, like, by the time I was really engaging seriously with baseball, like, we were already in 2015, 2016. Like, we were already in the decline phase. So I think, like, that makes my experience different, a lot different from, like, yours or any other Mariners fan who's been around for a long time to experience, like, the, the perfect game in real time, for example. Yeah. But it was, it was just so striking to me, like, my, my relationship with Felix really hinges around the experience I had that I wrote about it in the piece, which is, like, the first major league game that I can remember going to, like, aside from the ones I went to when I was two, and <laughs> I ran around in the play area and didn't pay attention to sure. the baseball whatsoever, and I, like, do not remember these at all, but... It was such an event to be, like, going to a Major League Baseball game. It was like, I have have saved this money. We are going to travel and we are going to do this thing. And then to have such a passionate, like, performance go on in, in front of me... And and especially given the context of like going into the start, I was I was telling my younger brother, I was like explaining to him who was gonna be pitching. And I was like, it's King Felix, and he's like, Who is that? Why is he the king? <laughs> and so I went into this like lengthy explanation of, you know, the career highlights. And then so Anthony was like, Oh, is he is he still super good like now? And I was like, Yeah, I don't know what we're gonna see. <laughs> but we ended up seeing I mean, one of his best starts that season. And it was just, uh, it was, it was really, it felt very personal to me. It was like, thank you for giving me this experience. Like, thank you for giving this to me. So it felt like in the, in that great way that baseball can feel like a gift yeah. to you. Like, that's how it, that felt for me. And so that is the the foundation of, like, my observation of Felix Hernandez over the past few years. Yeah, this so this game would have been and and we should set the the stage for people who perhaps are not familiar with the experience of the Blue Jays fan invasion is such a loaded term. <laughs> uh, it betrays it betrays my own impression of it in a way that is probably not super useful. Blue Jays fans enjoy very much let's put it that way enjoy very much when um when the blue jays come to seattle uh because they are able to you know for folks who are not from the sort of greater toronto area and don't have access to the blue jays in toronto if they're blue jays fans in bc much like yourself they kind of take over the ballpark in seattle when the blue jays come to town i mean it is overwhelmingly blue jays fans at, well, when you saw it, when you were seeing it um, at Safeco Field and what is now T-Mobile, they just uh, they really come to come to play. <laughs> they, they yeah, they really come to play and they really come to party like that. I was shocked the first time that I went to Safeco because the first two times I went were both Blue Jays games. Yeah, and so I was like, this is insanity. This is a madhouse. Like this is such a fraught environment and then i went to see like the angels or something i was like this is so 
This is so peaceful. (laughs) Yeah. That was exactly the word. I was like, is this what it's normally like? Like, the Blue Jays fans just inject such an element of, like, because for a lot of people, this is the only time they're going to see the Blue Jays, like, that year, or even, like, in the next five years, or in their entire life. So people, like, take that opportunity. They will go down for the weekend, and they will just go hard. Like, they... It, it, no matter how good or bad the Blue Jays are, they just, like, are losing their minds. And the, right. I was lucky enough, the game that I saw, like, that Felix Hernandez game, both the Jays and the Mariners were, like, in the wild card mix. Like, the mm-hmm. Jays had a narrow lead on the first wild card spot, and the Mariners were, like, just behind. Yep. So there were actual stakes in that game. And so it was, like, 40,000 people there just, like, going crazy and then Jose Bautista hit a home run in the ninth inning and like everybody lost their minds. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Man. And and Felix famously um you know both to I think the assembled Blue Jays fans but also to several of the Mariners faithful asserted that this this is my house. That's what yes. he said while he was leaving the mound. A thing that you wouldn't have been able to see from your seats but that was <sighs> quite dramatic on television i do not go to i don't know if you'll take this as a point of pride or you'll find it deeply insulting and i'll just let you react to it as you will (laughs) so there are a couple of series a year that i elect to not attend in person because the fan experience can be somewhat unpleasant uh even as a person whose sort of ability to get riled up by opposing fans when it comes to the mariners has diminished over time as has my sort of active experience of fandom but I do not go to the Yankees series or the Red Sox series or the Blue Jays series (laughs) (laughs) although I will I will say that Blue Jays fans as a rule are um, significantly more pleasant even if they are very rowdy they are generally more pleasant than the fan bases (laughs) that uh, that seem to arrive when the Yankees or the Red Sox are in town sorry guys but yeah I I stay away I I went to one I went to one Blue Jays Mariners game I I don't recall what year this was it had to have been after 2015 and I I this maybe will help us narrow it down. I remember sitting next to a very nice couple, older couple from Canada, and the the gentleman of this couple asking me if Justin Smoke would ever get better. <laughs> he was just he was just worn out with Justin Smoke. So maybe it was 2015. Uh, yeah, this was before Justin had his little turnaround, and I. I enjoyed that they were so pleasant because there were some very rowdy, drunken young men around us that were far less fun to to sit around. But I had to inform him. I was like, I don't think so. I don't think it'll ever be better. And then it was. <laughs> so sorry, guy. I mean, you got to watch a fun Blue Jays team, so maybe you're doing fine. But but yeah, I don't. I haven't been to a Blue Jays series at what is now T-Mobile in probably I don't know two two three years. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's kind of the same thing for me, because, like, since I went and, like, had the experience, I was like, now I do not need to pay these inflated ticket prices. Yes, it it does get quite pricey. What is your preferred ballpark sort of vibe? Do you, do you like it when things are sort of very high energy and rowdy? Do you prefer the, the peaceful Mariners angels sort of stayed experience uh what is what do you like to experience when you go to the ballpark 
I generally am a, a peaceful experience preferer. Like I, I normally would like to just have a chill time and yeah. relax. But depending on what mood I'm in, like when when I went to that first Blue Jays game and it was just crazy, I was like, yes, this is what I want. So some like I can be down for that. I've never yeah. seen postseason baseball in person, but I think it would be awesome. Yeah, like, I think I would have a great time. So I I guess I I'm at the two extremes. Like I want it to be I want it to either be like just a chilled out time where we're just enjoying this chill ass baseball game <laughs> or everybody is completely like completely losing their minds and it's just like a collective experience because when it's just like when some people are trying to just have a peaceful time and other people are doing like yeah and just being like super drunk then that's not cool. Right. Yeah, it's a uh... Yeah, I guess it really does depend what mood you're in, but the the range can be <laughs> when when your um, mood and the general vibe do not match one another. I think those are sort of uniquely unpleasant ballpark experiences. <laughs> yes, if you're, if you're ever just like I'm just trying to sit here and watch a baseball game, I would prefer to have fewer people around me. Maybe just in general, um, yeah, that can be that can be unpleasant. Uh, I assume that you will be watching Felix's final start when he starts. What is in the future for us, either today or tomorrow, I suppose? Yes. Yes, I will. I I have the time blocked out. Oh, man. It is a... I, I will write about it for the site, but it is... I don't know that any individual athlete has ever mattered more to me personally and has ever made me both happier and sadder. <laughs> Felix has. What an odd fandom is such a strange, such a strange brew, that yes. fandom thing. What an odd bit of business it is. Don't know why we do this to ourselves, but we do. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how uh how he manages to go out and also just how the I don't know, the the last couple of years have been so fraught for him both in terms of his own performance and in terms of his um, sort of experience of the team that you know used to prize him so highly and seems to uh, struggle uh, it's gonna be a weird day it's going to be an odd day but baseball is often odd um, you get so, you get such an extreme mix of emotions and like I think of how we feel like having watched this all unfold and then I think about like how much more extreme that must be for him sure. who's actually experiencing this and is also yeah. like experiencing the physical pain and duress of like this happening. Athletes, yeah. uh, I, I could not do it. I am, I am sitting on my couch and this is where I will stay. Yeah, it's it's an odd thing. Well, and you know, there's something kind of poetic about he historically has been such a thorn in the side of the Oakland Athletics, and so that his final start will come against the A's. The first uh, home Felix start I ever saw, I saw him when I lived in New York. We would, my expat, Seattle expat friends and I would always trudge up to the Bronx when the Mariners were in town, and if we got a Felix start, it was it was a good series. But the first time I ever saw Felix in person in Seattle, um, just because of, you know, how long college and, and work post-college kept me away. Uh, it was against the A's. So I expect to, to feel some feelings that will absolutely not match whatever fall league game I'm watching, <laughs> uh, as I sit there on my phone and 
maybe silently weep. I'm going to <laughs> get quite a quite a series of looks from the scouts around me. I would imagine. Well, Felix, we we this game um, will not obviously matter for the Mariners who have been out of the playoff picture for many months. Um, but you know, does still matter for Oakland, which is in the the thick of their own um, their own postseason race. So I guess we should probably talk a little postseason baseball and we don't need to belabor the who's getting in when there's been plenty of coverage of that at fangraphs.com which is a very good website that people should read uh but i wanted to talk to you rachel an appreciator of aesthetics about the postseason and what it is that that you like and don't like about postseason baseball because it is a very strange it's a very strange thing, playoff baseball. It is yes. similar and dissimilar in turn. And so, you know, right now, as it stands, as you and I are recording, obviously the Astros and Yankees have won their respective divisions. Uh, Minnesota has not yet clinched the Central, but is likely to do so. And then we have Oakland and Tampa as our potential wildcard teams in the AL with Cleveland just a half game back of the Rays, who won in dramatic fashion. And then obviously in in uh, the NL, the Dodgers, Braves, and likely Cardinals will be the division winners. Uh, Atlanta and LA have clinched. St. Louis, I think, only needs one game more. And then uh, the Nationals will be back. The post-Harper Nationals will be back. <laughs> um, right now, the Brewers sit in that second wildcard spot. So, yeah. Hmm. The Cubs are not technically eliminated from postseason contention. They can't win the division, I don't think, right? But yeah. they're basically done so what do you like about the playoffs rachel i think like my favorite thing just you know, in terms of aesthetics and in terms of like the vibe of postseason baseball is just that every single ballpark is full oh, like yes. i i think of it's an amazing thing to not not even being there like i can't imagine what how it must feel being there and feeling that surge of energy from the crowd but even just watching and having the camera pan over these, like, jam-packed stands of people who are, like, fully invested in the game and in what is going on in this moment. Like, I, a thing that I like about sports is that it has an ability to bring you to an appreciation of what is unfolding, like, at the very moment before your eyes. As somebody who often gets, like, in my head and is distant from what is actually happening around me because I'm off in some other world thinking about something. Like, it's really it's really cool to have this many people tangibly invested in something, in, like, physical actions that are taking place in front of them. Mm -hmm. And further to that, I really, I just love how it, much people care about postseason games. Because yeah. putting putting that amount of care into baseball, I think, is what makes it fulfilling for us and it's what makes it fulfilling for the players who obviously have devoted so much of their lives and so much energy to playing this game like having that mutual exchange i think in the playoffs is really heightened in a way that i really enjoy i have never been to a playoff baseball game is that true that's true i have been to playoff football games which have a different energy to them although i am i would say that the the experience of watching baseball and the experience of watching football in terms of the physical energy that you seemingly feel around you is probably the closest in the playoffs 
Mm-hmm. I think I feel comfortable speculating that that is true. And you're right. It is a it is a tangible kind of feel it in your fingertips, like listening to like a super dialed up like uh, AMSR one or it's called podcast where you're like all the hair is standing up on your <laughs> arms and your brain feels like it's sloshing around a little bit. That's such a nice way of putting it that it is a moment of exchange between players and fans. I hadn't thought of it that way. I like that. That's a good that's a good one. What else do you like <laughs> about the playoffs? Hmm. I do like how condensed the narratives become mm. because this is something this is this also goes into my dislike. So I I like how how much meaning is packed into every action in a playoff game because whenever any player does something in a playoff game, everybody is thinking about everything they have done in that season that has led up to that point. And like everything they've done up in their done in their career that has led up to that point. And so the context really informs the weight of every action in a playoff game in a way that obviously like it does in the regular season, but again, it's just like really focused and heightened. But I think that the way that this manifests can sometimes be that a player will have an incredible season or an incredible career and then have a playoff failure or like a playoff poor performance and then that will become the the that will color the entire rest of the narrative about that player which is yeah it's a little it's a little unfair i think especially when obviously it's part of the narrative of that player's career because the players really care right and so that's worth like it's it's worth considering with the weight that it deserves but not in the context that you can sometimes see it manifesting as as like this is a this is a choker or like this is right the first thing you talk about when you're talking about this player is like this postseason failure right so you don't appreciate like the Kershaw narrative right that he is not himself in postseason play right that he has not been able to sort of seal the deal for LA that is not a that is not an argument you are prepared to entertain. <laughs> no, no. But I think you're right that it has to matter some, right? Like uh, to go back to Felix for a moment, the absence of a playoff appearance there, that clearly matters greatly to him, right? That is a an in, sort of an intrinsic part of his uh, the narrative that surrounds his career and a thing that we have to think about. But yeah, putting it, it's such a difficult thing to put things in their proper context when everyone uh, cares so much and emotions are running high, right? We have a hard time doing that and sort of placing those things um, in their appropriate spots because people just want to win. Yeah. They just want to win. Because like on one on one level, you do not want to devalue the the career and the accomplishments of a player who either like never appeared in the postseason or did not do well when they did appear in the postseason but at the same time there has to be an acknowledgement of the fact that like it matters so much to them you can't just wave it away I right think. yeah it is um it's a tricky bit of business it's a tricky bit of business what other things make you make you nutty about the uh about the postseason you're like, ah, <laughs> rats, hate this about postseason play. The, the number of ads in oh, the, the game stars. broadcasts and, and just generally the game broadcasts. I love I love a good local broadcast where people 
the broadcasters are really, like, invested in the players and know exactly what has been going on with them. Like, again, it's to do with the the context of what has been happening with this player. Mm -hmm. And you don't really get that as much in the in the national broadcasts and in the postseason broadcasts. They can be a little frustrating. It is a it is a thing that I wonder if we could switch up from a format perspective. I mean, I understand the sort of economic reality of the contracts that, you know, put these games on particular networks and take them away from whatever your regional sports booth is, right? But I I think it would be fun to hear to hear other commenters who know the team well. I mean, you get things get kind of tricky when you have a three-person booth, but yeah, if you could maybe enlist um, you know, some of the local folks to be color commentators or or what have you so that you do have someone who knows the the teams especially well. I mean, you know, I don't mean to sort of impugn the diligence that, you know, Joe Buck does when he calls a, a game, but I think it would be nice to hear from someone who's actually been with the team for the duration, right? And yeah. and some of those folks, I mean, when you look at some of these broadcasts, some of them are quite uh quite good in in their own right. I mean I uh I wouldn't mind Joe Davis playing a, a bigger role in in Dodgers postseason stuff. He does a good job. Yeah. You know, I would. There are some very good broadcasters on bad teams that I wouldn't mind enlisting, <laughs> <laughs> drafting into service for the postseason. That could be fun. Yeah, it does seem like a kind of a bummer. This is not an original thought, and we've talked about it before, but that it seems that Smoltz so keenly wants to just really rag on the sport <laughs> that he's calling and its biggest look in audience moment continues to be something that we should probably rethink. Yeah. Yeah, that is uh that is a lot of what is annoying yeah. about the national broadcasts that come around in the postseason. It's like this is the this is the most exciting time. Like this is where this is the moment where everybody cares so much about what is happening. Like this is not the time to be doing this right you sit there and you're like but the hair on my arms is standing up like can't we can't we leverage the hair on your arm standing up moment as a as a way to get people to like our sport instead of make them think oh i should turn this off <laughs> I should turn it off and put on a a more mellow you know kind of viewing experience that yeah. seems bad hmm are there any you you are uh, without a, a team to call your own in this postseason? Do you ever adopt a team and and root for it, or are you more uh, like a specific matchups kind of uh, postseason viewer? How do you how do you uh, establish new lines of rooting interest in the postseason? I generally the Blue Jays just are sitting out. Yeah, I generally just kind of like glom on to certain teams. Like if if there's, I just have. I try not to like dislike teams. Like I, I don't, I don't want to be a hater, but I just have <laughs> such a deeply embedded dislike of the Red Sox just in my soul. It's, it's hereditary. I can't, I can't do anything about it. So I will, I will root against whatever team is playing against the Red Sox if they are in the postseason. And other than that, like it'll be like, oh, I like, I like the way that this team is playing in this series. I hope they win. Yeah, uh, but. I am I have been watching a ton of the Dodgers over the past few seasons because they're conveniently timed to watch yes. from from the West Coast and because the broadcast is so good and so I've watched so much of the Dodgers and I just enjoy that team so much and they are really good so they're a good bet 
for the, for the World Series. Like they yeah. they keep coming back. They're gonna get it one of these times. So I think <laughs> if I had to pick one team in this postseason like spread that I would have an over overarching rooting interest in, it would probably be the Dodgers this season. Do you think that they are? I, I'm going to I'm going to make our entire staff do this exercise um, because I am mean. I am a not nice person. I think is what we have established by making people do this. But what do you um, currently? How do you see? How do you see this postseason situation playing out, Rachel? Who do you think uh, makes it to the World Series, and who do you think wins? I, Sounds like the Dodgers for, yeah, for the NL. Yeah, and I will take the I will take the safe bet and say the Astros mm. for the AL. Yeah. Although that matchup is like I think it favors the Astros. As yeah. much as I as much as I want the Dodgers to do well, I I do think that favors the Astros. But one of the good and bad things about the postseason is that it's so short. You right. never know what might happen. Could get wonky. Yeah, we currently have they're about as close as as you can get so the astros clearly uh have a win more than the dodgers do at the moment at the moment that we are recording this won't be different <laughs> i i like that both the by um their pythagorean expectation and their base run record both of these teams should have won more games <laughs> these two very very good baseball teams by pythag the astros are uh, one off where they should be uh the dodgers are two off which would put them you know these two teams in a dead heat by base runs the Dodgers are uh four games worse than what their record ought to be uh the the Astros are one game worse so it would be really best versus best do you prefer to see matchups of sort of equally equally matched equally good teams or do you like to get the the sort of David Goliath narrative in there at times See, that's that. That's another thing that I do like about the postseason is that even when you do kind of get the David Goliath thing happening, like they're all really good teams. Yeah. And so you really like there. It could be just an insanely lopsided series. Like I was on recap duty for the was that the, the Astros Indian series? It was either the it was either the Astros or the Red Sox were playing the Indians last season in the postseason. And it, it, either way, it was just one of the most lopsided playoff series I've mm-hmm. ever seen. It was just not fun to watch at all right. because the the Indians were just they just like f- fell over backwards. Like no none of the none of the players were supposed to produce were producing. Like there were pitching meltdowns every single game. It was just it was not fun. But most of the time, I don't think that usually happens. So I like a David Goliath series when it is evenly matched. If one team just like falls over backwards, then that's not cool. Yeah, I think I think it was probably last year that the Astros, uh, they swept them out in three games. They just uh, they just took took the L three straight yeah. times. And then, <laughs> then that was that. That was that for them. Yeah, it when it when it's like that, it's a little it's much less fun. You know, we like those series that go long. It's good for it's good for everyone. It gives us something to talk about at Fangraphs. It gives the world something to focus on in the month of October. That's always delightful. It's nice to have a thing that brings us all together that is uh, fun and positive. So few of the come together things lately are fun and positive. So it's <laughs> not bad when that's how it 
how it sorts itself out. I like this postseason field quite a bit. I think that I like the idea of, well, I believe in consequences. So I don't totally dislike the idea of Cleveland missing the postseason this year, even though it will deny us the opportunity to watch Francisco Lindor for longer, which feels like it should just be against the law. So I, I like the idea of the Twins taking the Central, and we, we have to root for the Rays to make the playoffs <laughs> so that Fangraphs has some representation in the playoffs. Yes. Uh, I wonder what it is like for Jeff to uh, you know, feel nervous about the playoffs again. That has to be a, a muscle he hasn't exercised in quite a long time, I would imagine. I mean, mine has atrophied, and uh, the, the Mariners were recently close to being in the playoffs. Recently close. What a way to... Just years of my life, Rachel. Just years <laughs> and years of my life. We'll get them next year. For recently close. My stars. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind an Astros Dodgers rematch. I think that, that could be quite fun. Yeah. Although, you know, I wonder if, if you ever have this experience. It is a, a thing that has emerged as part of what you root for as a person who now has a bunch of friends who work for teams. You know, you end up you end up wanting your friends to have nice things. <laughs> so you just root for outcomes that you never expected uh, to the extent you have a rooting interest at all. Uh, you know, I, I'm very, as a person who has pals who work for the Cardinals, very excited that the Cardinals are, are going to the playoffs again. What a thing. It's just very strange. A couple of years ago, I wouldn't have believed that to be true. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's a it's an odd bit of business. And then, of course, we then just don't have any baseball at all. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. soon. <laughs> It'll happen so soon. That's another, and that's another. I guess it's so many of these things that I'm saying are like, this is a good thing about the playoffs, and it's also a bad thing. But yeah. the good thing about the playoffs is that you get all this baseball. And then the bad thing about them is that it's over immediately yeah. afterwards. Yeah, I, I recall, you know, in, in years past when I was doing baseball writing freelance basis and then had to get up and go to work after writing recaps and, and whatnot when I was still at Baseball Prospectus, I recall feeling simultaneously relieved and devastated that the playoffs were over because when they ended, I was like, oh, sleeping is so cool. <laughs> sleeping is one of my favorite things and now I get to do it again. But then, uh, but then you're like, but but then I have to wait such a long time for there to be baseball again. And, you know, the relief at getting to take a break, that only lasts as long as you uh, have where you don't have to, like, go run errands. And then and then the relief is over because you're back to doing your normal bogus grown-up stuff. You're like, hey, I have to be an adult again. Where is the baseball? That's my experience of it. Anyway. Yeah, once you, once you sleep off that sleep debt, then you're like, what am I going to do with all this extra extra time, this extra right. space in my brain that right. was taken up by this thing before? What am I going to do with it? Yeah, it's a it's a strange, it's very strange. I mean, last year it was particularly unusual for us at Fangrass because, you know, the playoffs ended. And then not long after that, uh, Carson decided to become a Blue Jay and turn into a little bird. They're not little birds. I don't know why I said that. Blue jays are actually, you know, as like they're like medium sized birds. Yeah, as like um, you know, like sedan class birds go. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> you know, not small. And so my plans for a postseason where or for you know an off season where I might take vacation were immediately detonated. But this year, knock on wood, <laughs> maybe I'll take vacation. I'll probably miss baseball while I do. 
That's a funny thing about it. Rachel, so you, you have already mentioned some good stuff coming up at THT. You will obviously do a fair amount of postseason coverage for us at Fangraphs. Are there any other things that you would like to point people to to read or enjoy or uh, to anticipate, perhaps, either from yourself or for writers that you help to uh, shepherd along? There are um, some very interesting things coming along down the line at THT that are postseason related. Cool. So keep an eye out for those in the postseason. Do not get too distracted by the postseason baseball to click on the hardball times every morning. Yeah. And you publish every day. You just publish every single day. Wow. It's it's incredible what you can do with technology. (laughs) But And then for me, I am going to be... Hopefully, I I I have I've picked out in our little spreadsheet schedule some some select postseason games that mm-hmm. I think I think I wrote in my name for quite a few of them, but a <laughs> lot of them are the if necessary type. So hopefully the series run long yes. and I will get to I will get to have a good time writing about some of them. I think I wrote myself in for World Series Game Seven if oh, that happens. You so- did my stars. <laughs> oh my. Well, the nice thing is that our postseason coverage will not be um, dependent on these games going long. And you are, of course, uh, very welcome to write about any of these games in a in a non game or capacity. You know, we just we just like to have things available for people first thing in the morning when they're like, "Hey, I still want to en- engage with postseason baseball. What's over at Fangrass.com?" Well, you're gonna click on it, and it's gonna be like, "Hey, look, there's a." There's a thing. There's a thing right there. That's how it's gonna go. So that's yeah. Honestly, the like I am no longer freelancing, so I no longer have the the compulsion to stay up until five a.m. writing something because I have to get it done. Right, and it has to be done like right this second. So that I but I kind of miss that because. Uh, I'm a strange person, and my body craves stress constantly. Yes. Uh, so I'm looking forward almost to having those late night postseason games, yes. and then being up until four, three or four, furiously writing my gamer. Yes. Yeah, it is one of the few times, just based on uh, you know, because we are not beat writers, we you know we have deadlines and whatnot. We are not um, we are not wholly uh, free of the calendar, but it is one of the only times that someone like you or or me writes really on deadline to the degree that most of our colleagues in the industry do. Uh, <laughs> so yes, it is it is a time of uh, no sleep and intense like dopamine rushes. You're just sitting there feeling stress and happiness and then uh, exhaustion for like a month. I will probably not sleep the entire month of October <laughs> concerning in a way that we will not talk about because uh, sometimes I worry that my mom actually listens to the podcast. But Well, Rachel, I uh, so appreciate you coming on the show. I'm glad that we were able to navigate uh, being locked out and also uh, enduring loud sounds to actually come together and we will be sure to have you on again shortly, if not during October, then certainly in the off season and uh thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me it's always a pleasure